0: Have you heard of RED3? It's a color additive that's banned in makeup products because the FDA was concerned it could cause cancer in lab animals. Except it's still used in candy. Candy corn, Nerds, Peeps, Pez, Sweet Tarts, and hundreds more contain RED3. That's why the Center for Science in the Public Interest and prominent scientists are urging the FDA to remove RED3 from the list of approved color additives in foods. Dietary supplements and oral medicines. That way, you don't have to worry about your Halloween candy in the future. This is Pulse Check. I'm Lauren Gardner. Here are a couple of headlines I'm watching. The group of conservative employers in Texas who challenged Obamacare's requirement that their workers' insurance cover STD testing and HIV prevention drugs are now asking a judge to toss out all preventive care rules going back to 2010. This is important because if the court's ruling is applied nationwide, the national insurance market could be thrown into chaos. And state Medicaid directors are tracking whether the Biden administration will renew the ongoing COVID-19 public health emergency next month. If it's not renewed, those directors worry that the enhanced federal matching rate they've been receiving for nearly three years could end as Congress considers an end-of-the-year spending package. Without that money, there'd be no incentive for them to keep people on Medicaid, and it could cost states money. And progressives are testing a new medical debt ballot measure strategy in Arizona. Megan Messerly is here to talk about what this ballot measure would do
1: proponents are attempting to deal with essentially a sliver of the overall problem of medical debt. So they know that this isn't the be all end all, but they're trying to help Arizonans who are struggling under the weight of hundreds or thousands of dollars in medical debt. So what the measure would do if it passes is it would prohibit creditors from charging more than 3% interest on medical debt. Now that's down from 10%. So this is not an effort to ensure that people who have medical debt aren't being charged, you know, really high interest rates and then just accumulating more and more debt. Mm -hmm. And then the measure also intends to sort of shield some of the debtor's assets that are protected from creditors. So for instance, it increases the value of a debtor's home that's protected from $250,000 to $400,000 and decreases the amount of a debtor's weekly disposable income that can be subject from debt collection. So it reduces that from 25% to 10%. So proponents basically argue that this is a measure to, you know, again, not eliminate medical debt, but make it easier for people to pay back their medical debt while still earning a living wage while still having a roof over their head.
0: Gotcha. So who exactly is backing this, pushing this measure? So the group behind it in
1: Arizona is called Healthcare Rising Arizona, and they're a project of SEIU UHW, which is this California healthcare workers union that has been responsible for lots of these progressive pushes that we've seen across the country. They also established the Fairness Project back in 2015 to push for measures raising the minimum wage and expanding Medicaid. And so this is sort of a continuation of that effort. They have this organization specifically on the ground in Arizona focused on not just running ballot measure campaigns, but really organizing healthcare workers and patients around the idea of affordable healthcare. So, this is sort of an extension of that effort. And it's worth noting that the measure, nearly $8 million has been poured into it. And essentially, all of that has come from SEIU, UHW, and Healthcare Rising Arizona.
0: So, why is this California union pushing this measure in Arizona? That's interesting.
1: So the union didn't respond to multiple requests uh, for comment that I sent to them. But I think the short of it is that, one, you know, talking to folks, obviously, Arizona is a neighbor of California. And sure. so having California healthcare workers move to Arizona and realize that they don't have the same kind of support that they do in California, it's worth noting, there's not like a big healthcare union in Arizona like there are in a lot of other states. Nevada, where I previously reported, SEIU is really big there as well, but there's really not like a healthcare union on the ground to do this kind of work. And so talking to some of the groups on the ground in Arizona that support this, which includes unions, a progressive think tank type group, you know, they really see this as a benefit because they say, we don't have a union here to do this kind of work. We wouldn't be able to raise this kind of money on our own. So they've kind of tried to make this argument that even though opponents of the measure are saying like, this is a California backed measure, you know, the California union with deep pockets is coming in and trying to buy the election. Some of the advocates on the ground in Arizona say, you know, this is something we wouldn't be able to do if not for the support of the union. So they argue that it is an Arizona-driven measure, even if it is being funded by this California union.
0: Mm. So who exactly is opposing it then?
1: It's really interesting. I was kind of surprised by this, though it kind of makes sense once you get into it. No healthcare groups have come out against the measure. It's entirely creditors, debt collectors, those types of folks. And one of the big reasons that they oppose this measure is because they say it goes too far. They understand their concerns with medical debt, but they sort of say, you know, this doesn't address the problem of medical debt in the first place. It just sort of addresses some of the secondary consequences of people who are dealing with medical debt. And then their big argument is that some of those provisions I mentioned, like increasing the value of a debtor's home that's protected from creditors, that wouldn't just apply to medical debt. It would apply across the board to all debt. They argue that it's going to have sort of a negative impact on the overall lending market in Arizona, sort of outside of the world of medical debt.
0: And just to bring this out a little bit farther uh, than just Arizona, the Biden administration has prioritized addressing medical debt, right? What exactly has the administration done on this issue?
1: Yeah, so they really have made this a priority. They've directed federal agencies to eliminate medical debt as a factor when accessing federal resources. They've streamlined some debt relief for veterans through the VA. They've also targeted uh, debt collectors who try to collect on debt that's already been paid or poses law enforcement officials. But I think it's worth noting that sort of similar to these pushes we've seen for the minimum wage for Medicaid expansion. This is really an attempt by progressives to address some of the issues they see in the wake of, one, congressional inaction on some of these issues like medical debt, and two, in the wake of um, many of these primarily red and purple states not acting on these issues. So this is why we're seeing them take this proposal directly to the voters, you know, um, talking to some of these advocates. They say usually at their state legislatures, they're playing defense on some of these issues. So they view the ballot measure as a way to go on offense on some of these topics.
0: So that's brings me to my next question is this a one off or is this something you would expect to see get pushed in other states in future election cycles and in and specifically are these red and purple states where this might be more of an issue where s- uh, state governments aren't aren't acting
1: exactly yeah so the the kind of thought is that you know depending on how this ballot measure goes in Arizona and i will say proponents feel pretty confident about you know its chances of a passing but they don't want to count their chickens before they've hatched. There's already been interest in several states from groups that have previously worked on some of these other progressive ballot measures to try to replicate this Arizona measure in other states. So I'm thinking states such as Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma. These are states where we've seen the Fairness Project come in and support some of these ballot measure efforts. And the sense is that, you know, if this Arizona measure is successful, Arizona really could be the first in, you know, a long line of states to take up this proposal at the ballot box.
0: Well, thank you so much, Megan, for walking through this ballot measure with us. We we appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Right now, how do you remember when you or your kid are due for shots? The Global Health Security Consortium is a partnership between the Lawrence J. Ellison Institute for Transformative Medicine, the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change, and the University of Oxford. And this month, it launched a campaign to design a cloud-based digital monitoring program for the world.
2: If you are, whether in Sub-Saharan Africa, you're in Asia, you're in a developed world country, you will be notified if you're eligible that there is a particular shot available.
0: David Agus is the Ellison Institute CEO and is working on a cloud-based digital program with the Global Health Security Consortium that would remind adults when they're due for their next shots.
2: In the United States, we all got those cards where it was written on it, our vaccines. Well, that needs to be made digital now. So it goes in our health record. And around the world, it can enable us to potentially travel certain places. It can enable us potentially to uh, 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 be able to show others that we've had this and make sure that we're getting the right shot when it's needed.
0: He says this could save 10 million lives a year in preventable diseases.
2: Which is obviously an enormous number for the globe. And so we have an obligation, it's not really a choice, but it's an obligation now to develop the infrastructure to enable all the amazing progress in science and medicine to get to the people who need it. And the way we do that is to make sure that every person who is eligible can get these shots. And a digital infrastructure is required to do that. When you have a multi-part shot, whether it be for COVID or malaria or tuberculosis, you want to make sure that everyone gets each part of those shots, so they can get an immunity to be protected.
0: And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Vantine, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Lauren Gardner. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters, where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.